will, take your copy of the Word of God and turn with us to the book of Galatians, of course, to the book of Galatians chapter 5. I, uh, I don't know whether to set a new goal or not. Y'all have beaten every goal that we have had. Uh, I didn't think we'd make quite 2,000. I can't even remember if 2,000 was the first number or if it was 1,000. And uh, y'all blew past that number, of course, and then you blew past 2,500. You've blown past 3,000. I imagine we're close, closing in on it more than 3,500 this morning, so I think we're just going to say 5,000 chapters because y'all have blown me away. But I don't know about y'all this week. Uh, again, of course, I've told y'all numerous times that that is, a, that is something that Brother Mike Bagwell, Dr. Mike Bagwell introduced me to, and I'm thankful to him for that. And this week he had us, uh, we were in the revival meeting with him down in Carrollton, Georgia at Sunrise Baptist Church where Brother T.J. Cochran is the pastor. And we got to be, Miss Terry and I got to be in a couple of services down there and he had us reading through the Beatitudes this week. And I, he had us listening, of course, to it, listening to it or reading to it. And I couldn't help as I kept reading through it and reading through it again and again, listening to it and again and again. Of course, I had the great opportunity just last month to preach through that same passage. And yet there's a freshness to it and a newness to it love that's what I love about the word of God no matter how many times you've been there there's something there that you've missed there's something there that for that moment for that portion of time though you've read it many times though you may know it backwards and forwards be able to quote it in reverse it still has something new for you and what a blessing it is to turn to the word of God this morning knowing that even from Galatians chapter 5 the Lord has something new for us to dwell on and rest on this morning let us go to the Lord this morning in his word in Galatians chapter 5 and Galatians chapter 5, begin reading in verse 1 this morning. Uh, would you stand with us for the reading of the Lord's Word God? We don't always do it, but this is a shorter passage, so I invite you to stand for the reading and reverencing of the Word of God, if nothing else, if you need a break from sitting sometimes, and that's helpful in and of itself. So, all those who are willing and able to stand, we invite you to do so this time as we read from the book of Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you, that if ye be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to the whole law, to do the whole law. Christ is become of no effect unto you, Whosoever of you are justified by the law, ye are fallen from grace. For we, through the Spirit, wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. Ye did run well. Who did hinder you that ye should not obey the truth? This persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. I have confidence in you through the Lord that you will be not otherwise minded. But he that troubleth you shall bear his judgment, whosoever he be. And I, brethren, if I yet preach circumcision, why do I yet suffer persecution? Then is the offense of the cross ceased. I would they were even cut off which trouble you. For, brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if you bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed 
whatever that may be seated this morning. Father, once more, we come to you. We pray that you bless this word to us, O God. Father, open it up to us. Open our hearts, our minds, everything about us. Open us to this word that it may take root in us. And of course, as we've already prayed, bring forth fruit in this due season. We pray it all about Sunday. It's a wonderful day. Amen and amen. Of course, the last couple of weeks, in particular, that we spent in Galatians chapter 4, we focused on how Paul, in chapter 4 especially, but really and truly in all of the book of Galatians, has been focusing on on relationships. He's been focusing on the relationships that he has with Peter, the relationship that he had with the law, the relationship that he had with the Jewish faith, the relationship with all of these different things. And then, of course, he brings it down to the relationship that God has with his offspring, that God had with Abraham, that Abraham had with Isaac and Ishmael, and, of course, that God has with us, how that we are compared to that, how that we have been made the children of God. And, of course, Paul landed chapter 4 in reminding us that we have been made free, that we endure the greatest freedom that there ever is knowing that we belong under Christ Jesus, knowing that we are his and he is ours, that there is no greater freedom that has ever been proclaimed than the fact that we belong to him. But even with that freedom, something comes up. In case you didn't know this, I love that everybody that says in the United States, of course, we have freedom on everything. We talk about flex. We talk about all this. We have everything about freedom and we always hear the saying that freedom doesn't come free. And we know that that is surely the case. We know that men and women have died. We've got people in this building that fought and served for our country. What a wonderful blessing y'all are to have with us. Y'all have an understanding of this that I'm not sure that I can fully understand. But y'all know what it is to write that blank check. Y'all know what it is to say, put me anywhere. Beloved, truly, in a certain sense, that's what the cost of freedom is. And that when you have been enjoined under Christ Jesus in that way, believe it or not, whether you have it, you've written a blank check under Jesus Christ. I don't know what your prayer was when you were born again, but I remember that night. My simple prayer was this, Lord, whatever it is, whatever it takes, there was a desperation of whatever it takes, Lord, that's what I will do. And what he blessed me with was the freedom that I have in him. And yet we have, chapter 5, verse 1, that though we have this liberty, this freedom in Christ Jesus, look what he begins to say in verse 1. Even as he's walking them through all of this process, he says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Stand fast. That doesn't mean that we get to take this lightly. This means that we have to stand fast. We have to stand up. We have to take a stand. We have to position ourselves, and it has to be standing fast. It has to have some endurance to it. It has to have something behind it. Beloved, in my life, I've been plagued with a history of people that didn't cut the mustard. They didn't. They weren't able to cut it anymore. They weren't able to go any further as it seemed. Now, I understand circumstances are different, but what I have seen in my lifetime is Christian after Christian, people after people that proclaim themselves to be people in Christ that they would not stand fast. Any hint of trouble and they're out the door. Any hint of anything and they're out the door. Tara and I, look, we've been married for two years and we know of other couples that have been married and it blows our minds how we look at couples that have been married for just a short while and they split up and they're done with each other. Tara and I knew when we entered into marriage, divorce is not an option. I go back to my grandparents. I don't know whether she should have said it or not, but at my great-grandparents' 50th wedding anniversary, the saying goes that Big Mama, somebody asked Big Mama, they said, Big Mama, have you ever thought about divorcing him? She said, no, I never thought about divorcing him. I've thought about killing him a few times. Now, I don't know if she should have made that joke or not. I'm not purporting what she said, but I'm going back to that generation, and I'm illustrating a motif that was present in that generation. Beloved, divorce was not an option. They may have considered some awful things in their life. I'm not purporting to you that that was a good option. That's not. That's not what we're after. That's not good. 
But beloved, that attitude of divorce is not an option needs to be true when it comes to us in Jesus Christ. If we have been through the book of Ephesians together, we know that we have been wed to Christ. We know that we don't get to just divorce Christ and go about ourselves any way that we should want to do. We know that it is that we have to stand fast. We know that there is a temptation to enter again into the yoke of bondage. And it's a temptation that every one of us face. This week, think back on your life for just a few moments. I know it's the first day of the week according to our calendars, but just think over the past week that you were here last Sunday. Think about Monday through Saturday. Were there times in your life that you were tempted to enter back into the yoke of bondage? Is there a yoke of bondage that is in your life that you were tempted to enter back into? Is there something in your life that you know enslaves you, that you know entraps you, and yet you find yourself tempted to enter back into it? I don't know what it is. Several people have different several things. And you may have a number of things. You may have one thing. You, I don't know what it is. But I imagine that somewhere in your life, even this week, you face that temptation to enter in once again into the yoke of bondage, to be entangled in it. And that's the problem with the world is that we get entangled with it. We begin to go out there and forth. I remember my mother talking one time about picking a bunch of blackberries. And she said she knew she got out there where she shouldn't have been. She was out and about in the thorns and the thistles and all of this different thing, trying to plant, trying to pick blackberries, but she had waded too far out in there, and all the thorns of all those briars were beginning to hurt her, and she didn't be able to, couldn't seem to be able to get out of there. One time, I was in the pasture out with my father. I was really young, and I was going back to the house, and in my very lack of wisdom, I decided, well, just follow wherever the cows have been going. Surely they've mustered out a good place to follow, and I forgot that cows are not exactly the smartest creatures in the world, just to be frank about it. And love cows, I'm not trying to throw off on them or anything like that, but they're just not the brightest. And sometimes they go through muck and mire. I remember I had one of my favorite pair of shoes on that day. They were zip-ups. They were the coolest thing. They had orange little zippers on top. I've not forgotten this pair of shoes. I couldn't fit them in today if I tried. But I was going through and I was following the cows and I thought I was doing a great thing because I was following where somebody else had already gone. I was following a path that I thought, this is the wise. This is the good path. And when I did, I lost one of my shoes. I'm still upset about that to this day. I don't know where that shoe is. I, I guess it just disappeared. I'm, I'm sure Tyler or I one day is going to be walking that property, and all of a sudden I'm going to bend down and dead. He didn't find it, and I didn't know about it. And someday we're just going to find that shoe out there. It's because I got entangled into the things that I had no business being entangled in. I didn't take the right pathways. I took pathways somebody else had followed, but they weren't pathways that were designed for me. They were designed for cows. The cows could get through it. This young boy of, I don't know, seven or eight years old, however old I was at the time, he couldn't make it through those same pathways. He was not designed to make it through those pathways. Beloved, there are things in your life that you're just not designed to be in the pathway of. It's entangling you into the rest of the world, and it's not standing fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. Our Albert Muller is president of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky, and he took it over 30 years ago. He took it over in 1993, and what a blessing. I, I frankly believe that it was that Dr. Moeller took over the institution up there because it had gone a certain way. It was going in a certain liberal bit, and so many people that proclaimed that the Word of God was not sufficient, so many people proclaimed that the Word of God was not in there. That was the agency that was taking over much of that particular seminary at that time. And then Dr. Moeller comes in, and he begins to have a presence, and he's kind of a, he's a stern guy. He's a strong thinker. He's still thinking to this day. He just recently stood at a major convention, and he argued something for the good of the people. He argued something about what the Bible proclaims. He's still, 30 years later, standing on the Word of God. He is still, 30 years later, standing fast in the same truths that he has had to be standing in. You would think that 30 years later they wouldn't be encountering the same problems, and yet 30 years later it seems that they're encountering some of the same problems. He's taking the same stand. And when he got to the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky, he, he preached this one sermon 
He said, don't just do something, stand there. Beloved, sometimes our temptation is to do something. Sometimes our temptation is just to do anything when all that we need to do is just stand there. If we would just stand here sometimes and stand fast in the liberty of Christ, knowing that there are other ways, knowing that there are other means, knowing that there are other, some other mechanism to this, yet we just need to stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free and not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. I am reminded of the example of Doug Fisher, a pastor out in San Diego, California, a former Marine, and he's pastor of the Lighthouse Baptist Church out there, I believe it is. And he gives the example of him learning how to fly an airplane one time. And he got up there, and of course, he had he had the main pilot behind him, the training pilot was behind him, is where he was sitting. He was seated up front, and he said, Okay, he said, Doug, I'm gonna take my hands off of the controls and I'm gonna let you fly the plane. When I take my hands off the controls, you're going to be the one flying the plane. And he said, but first what I'm going to do, I'm going to put us into a spin. He said, I'm going to put the airplane into a spin, and I want you to get us out of the spin. And Doug said he didn't know what in the world to do, and he so, so his instructor put him into a spin, and he took over the controls, and he said, I started pressing this control, and I started moving this control, and I started doing all these other things. And he said, finally, my training pilot came on the microphone, and he said, are you done yet? And he said, well, yeah, I suppose I'm done. And he said, all right. He said, let go of it. He said, you let go of it? All of a sudden, the airplane just began to correct itself. He said, Doug, it's got this little mechanism in there that it straightens itself out. Beloved, can I tell you that that's standing fast in the liberty wherewith we have been made free in Christ Jesus? Is that you don't have to do anything. Sometimes all that you have to do is stand in the freedom of Christ. It works itself out. Year after year, problem after problem, whatever you do, you stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. What happens to the church so many a times is we get in trouble because we begin going under these things that entangle us. We know there are certain arguments. That's what seems to be what so many denominations are dealing with now. They're going into the worldly things of this world. They're saying, no, this is okay. That's okay. And they're not looking to the Word of God. They're arguing this concept, that concept, and they're not arguing through the Word of God. I promise you this one thing. If you will stand here and debate the Word of God with me, I will stand here all day long, all night long, whatever the case may be, and we can discuss the Word of God. But if you begin only to look at it through the worldly eyes, if you only begin to look at it and say the rest of the world is going this way, beloved, it will not work out. We can push every lever, every mechanism, versus what we need to do is take our hands off of it sometimes and just stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. And be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. This is not an easy verse to do. This is not an easy thing that has ever been stood I think about it so many times and certain politicians make certain arguments and they just seem to be entrenched on something and they're standing on the principle of something. And it seems to be a losing principle by the course of the word, but they know that if they don't stand for it, nobody else will. I'm thankful to those who sometimes will stand for something nobody else will. I'm thankful for those that will saddle up and ride a little bit and just stand fast in whatever he has called us to do. Beloved, sometimes you just have to stand and you don't understand what's coming. There was another song we won't sing this morning. We did sing it. But we're going to sing farther along. We'll understand it. Farther along, we'll not understand why. Now, all of these different things. I enjoy the songs we sang. That's not a critique against songs we sang this morning. I enjoy each and every one of them. But, beloved, it is something that sometimes this is going to cause us to not understand what's coming next. Because he's just calling us to stand fast. But, Lord, I want to do something. I want to fix the controls. I want to do something. And he says, do not, but stand fast in the liberty wherewith you have been made free in Christ Jesus. 
He says in verse 2, Behold, I, Paul, say unto you that if you be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. I need a physical sign, Jesus. I need something that's physical. I need something. I'm not going to show that to the world, obviously, but I need something that's physical. I need something that marks me as a believer in Jesus Christ physically in this world. I need something. And is it that I need circumcision? Beloved, it is not that you need circumcision. And we're good Baptists. We still believe in baptism. We believe that baptism is a public sign of the faith. We do believe all of these different truths about baptism. We were singing Footprints of Jesus, and that song just makes me want to go baptize somebody. That's what we always sang at baptisms growing up. That's what I want to do. When we sing that song, somebody needs to be getting dunked I don't know who it is, but somebody needs to be getting baptized. It is not what saves them, but it is a public proclamation of the faith. Nevertheless, it is still symbolic. And it's not something physical. And here it seems to be that they're wanting something physical that marks them for Christ. But he says, if you be circumcised Christ, it shall profit you nothing. Y'all, he has been on the Galatians for four chapters. He has been on them for four chapters just going peace after peace, argument after argument. He has been tearing them down in so many ways. He's been tearing down every thought that they have. It's like a cross-examination by a really good lawyer. He's just coming at you with this and with that. He's not even giving you the time to talk. You're just having to say yes. A good cross attorney is going to have you say yes or no answers and it's going to hush you up otherwise. He's not going to let you speak. The crossing attorney is going to be the one that shines. That's what I used to train my trialers to do is when you're the one cross-examining them, you don't let them shine. That's your job. Hush them up. That's exactly what Paul has done, and Paul doesn't seem to be letting up. He's saying, if you be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. You're not a debtor to a part of it. You're a debtor to all of it. Every jot and tittle of the law that needs to be fulfilled, you're going to have to fulfill it in and of yourself. You're going to have to do every bit of this on your own accord. And yet they know that none of them have ever been able to dwell in the law. None of them have ever been able to fulfill the whole law. What they're wanting to do, essentially, as you can see, is it says in verse 4, Christ has become of no effect to you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, ye are fallen from grace. That's something that we need to be reminded from. What are we being justified by? Are we justified by the work of Jesus Christ? Are we justified by something else? Are you justified by good works? Are you justified that if you keep certain things? Are you justified if you do certain things? That's what your justification is. Now, obviously, we're not in a church to do this, but I can continue to think how many churches can be that, you know, you've got to tithe a certain amount. You've got to make sure that if you're not tithing, you're obviously not right with God. If you're not tithing a certain percentage of your income, if you're not a part of this many small groups, if you're not doing this many Bible studies, you beloved, I love the fact that we're reading the Word of God. However, I will tell you this one right now. If it comes between you serving and worshiping the Lord of God and you reading your Bible like that many times in the book of Galatians, you stop reading the book of Galatians and read wherever the Lord would have you to be reading. I don't believe he's calling you not to read his word. But I'm not saying you've got to read the book of Galatians as many times. That's not what's going to save you. I think it's a good and wonderful thing. I think it's a wonderful thing that's going to be working in each and every one of our lives. I think it's awesome that we're in the word of God. But the moment that I make it to be a requirement, the moment that you make it to be a requirement, the moment that you begin to see that some form of justification, that, look, if I can just do so many times and read through the book of Galatians, he'll forgive me for this sin. Beloved, we are in error. The moment that we are justified by anything but the grace of Christ Jesus upon the cross, we are fallen from grace. Beloved, he's looking at the Galatians and he's almost telling them. I'm not going to say he's telling them this, but it's almost him saying, you're lost to you. That's the way of it. And I don't think he's telling them you're lost again. 
But he is telling them, beloved, if you believe anything but Jesus, you are lost. If you are being justified by anything else in this world, you are lost. If you've been justified by anything but the grace of Christ alone, you are lost. He's been beating up on them for which chapters. He's been doing it fatherly. He's been doing it with a gracious way. I'm amazed at the way Paul's been able to communicate this letter. And the more that I listen to it, the more that I just hear that fatherly tone about Paul, how he's just communicating. He's trying to correct me. He's trying to get them in the right way. My earthly father has corrected me many times. I've had other men that have stepped into a fatherly role in my life before that have corrected me in some ways and given me gentle reminders that I needed to have by that, Paul is reminding them that it is through Jesus and Jesus alone. He says, verse 5, continuing from verse 1, he says, For we, through the Spirit, wait on the hope of righteousness by faith. For we, through the Spirit, wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. I've been meditating on that verse for several days now. For we, through the Spirit, wait righteousness by faith. Paul is looking to them and he's saying you're wanting to do something. You're wanting to be circumcised. You're wanting to be given unto something else in your life that would justify you. And yet what we do is we, through the Spirit, wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. So that tells me a couple of things. One, you've got to do it through the Spirit. It's not that you're going to be able to do this in and of yourselves. As a matter of fact, I'm fully convinced that you being born again, when you're born again, there's going to be something about your fleshy temptations that just would have you to live this gospel some of the way, some of the means of doing it, do anything else, but just wait on Him. He wants you to do something. You've got to be up. You've got to be doing it. You've got to be moving. It's not necessarily wrong. There's a good desire within us, especially when we've just been born again. There's a good desire within us. We want to tell everybody about Jesus, and that's what it's about. But what I experience in so many people's lives is, across time is, they need something more. It was a good adrenaline rush at first. It was a good hit of dopamine at first. They need something a little bit more, and a little bit more, and a little bit more sometimes, just to keep them serving for Christ. I need a form and a function. If you know Miss Terry and I, y'all know that we love a good routine. But just do it. Now, mind you, we can change our routines. It's actually not that hard. We change them all the time. But all the same, we love a good routine. I'm convinced that that's not just Miss Terry and I. I'm convinced that if I followed you around for a week, you know what I would find? I would find you have a routine. I would find you have a pretty routine about you. And that if something comes along and messes that routine up, do you know what we're going to do? Probably going to get a little bit upset. Y'all heard me talking. Y'all heard me confessing last week about when I get behind the driver on Highway 27 and both of them will fill up both lanes and me not go with the actual speed limit on 27, which is not what they got posted. We all know it. That sinful action of mine, the disobedient action of mine, when somebody gets in front of me and I get behind two pace cars this week, one going to work, one coming home from work, and both times I was like, would y'all just move out of the way and for a little while and I'll be okay. Maybe God was putting a pace car to remind me sometimes you need to wait. Sometimes you need to slow down. I don't know what was heading me. I don't know what could have been in the way. I'm actually a firm believer in that. I try not to go hyper-spiritual on things, but I'm a firm believer that my God keeps me in all things. And that maybe he did put a pace car in front of me so I'd slow down. If nothing else, just to realize sometimes I need to wait in the hope of righteousness. I think one of the hardest things for us to do as Christians is to wait in the hope why aren't you allowing me to grow? God, why aren't you allowing it to happen right now? God, why have you done all of these things that you're just making me wait? 
is because, beloved, in the Spirit, we're going to have to wait for the hope of righteousness. And, beloved, again, I'm going to remind you that it's in the Spirit. If you're trying to walk in this life devoid of the Spirit, it's not going to work out for you. If we as a church try to march forward in things, there have been some things, and there are some things. I'm a little bit of a planner, in case y'all haven't noticed that. I like to plan things. But sometimes, as much as I plan, the Lord's like, I'm not going to let that happen. If ever, I don't know. Sometimes there's questions about, is, is, is anything ever going to happen? If you're planning this, is anything ever going to happen? I don't know. But sometimes he's just reminded me to hope, to wait in the hope of his righteousness. Beloved, there's things that we want to do as a church. There are things that I would love to go out and take this action and do this thing and do this push and do that push and do all the different programs and all the different things. And I just want to do things. And instead, what he seems to have for Shed Road, much to my chagrin some days, sit there and wait. Y'all know I don't understand that? We've been going for three years. I don't understand that. But do y'all know what keeps happening? Y'all keep showing up. Every single time. I just can't quit you. Y'all keep coming to my I'll keep showing up. Unless the Lord changes the plans for me, unless the Lord changes the plans for y'all, we're just going to keep showing up. And we're going to keep standing in these things. I don't know what else to do other than stand on the Word of God. I hope that in your life you don't know what else to do but to stand on the Word of God. When everything else fails, when everything else falters, stand on the Word of God. Martin Luther is known saying on the here I stand that was his big thing and every time in the month of October that I begin to see those that are on the reformed side of things in this world everyone will be talking about how that on Christ I stand or on Christ the solid rock I stand that was on our sign for a long long time I think and a lot of people will say with Martin Luther here I stand beloved sometimes we have to take a stand and sometimes I was watching this last night we didn't have internet so that meant we couldn't watch anything we couldn't stream on anything because the internet was down so I had to go back to the sanction thing called DVD player. We were watching on this DVD player, and I loved it. There was this big scene in the show that we were watching there, and I like to kind of unplug a little bit on Saturday nights and just watch mindless TV, something light, something good, something that creates a good story. I just like to be able to rest a little bit on Saturday nights since I'm prepping for Sunday. And there was this big scene where this really important figure, he comes in, and he has to wait for like seven minutes. and just has to wait. And then ultimately he has to leave. But had he actually been able to get what he wanted out of that meeting, it wouldn't have worked for him. It amazed me just to think and to relate that to this text. How that sometimes he has me to wait for what seems forever. And then whatever I thought I was waiting on doesn't even happen. But because I waited, he brings the better to us. Beloved, there's not a thing that I understand about this world that's in I seem to understand less and less about this world but I know that he has called us to stand fast in the liberty wherewith he has made us free and to not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. I know that he has said that for through the Spirit, wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. In verse 6, he puts it this way. He says, For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. Paul said it's not about circumcision. It's not about circumcision. And just as much as it's not about circumcision, it's not about being uncircumcised either. Do y'all know that we have that temptation too? That some of us might have the temptation to say in an argument that it has to be this way, or that it has to be this way, when in truth the reality of it is it doesn't matter. You have to sing Southern Gospel songs, or you have to sing contemporary songs. You have to do these things. It doesn't matter. 
swing southern gospel. Sing contemporary. I like a lot of contemporary. Just make sure it's good lyrics. That's what I care about. Make sure it's singable by the congregation. It doesn't have to be this style or that style. Maybe be mindful of the styles. But beloved, when we elevate these things, and that seems to be the whole reason I bring that up, that seems to be a plague upon the church again. We had thought it for a really long time. It seemed like it died down for a minute, and now all of a sudden it seems to be back. Well, you have to do it this way. You have to do it that way. None of that's what matters. It doesn't matter whether you're circumcised. It doesn't matter whether you're uncircumcised. None of those things availeth anything but faith which worketh by love. How does love work? How does faith work? Faith works by love. Now, is that just love that you allow anything to go? I don't remember who the theologian was, but they wrote an interesting song that said, What is love? And then the lyrics came in, Don't hurt me, don't hurt me. I don't even remember the rest of that song. I don't even remember anything else. But for some reason, that lyric has been playing again over and over again in my head all week long. What is love? Don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. Love, that is a worldly form of love. But that is not a godly form of love. I could have told my parents when I was young, what is love? Don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. Because that bell sometimes sure did feel like it hurt me. But that bell never hurt as much as them being disappointed in their heart. Sometimes it was a stern talking to them, whatever means of correction that it was. I sure felt like they were hurting me sometimes in that moment. As I've gotten older, I've learned that it was of love. When I've had wise men in my life that have been mentors to me, but that have also been bosses to me in something, where they correct me, I don't like it. But I found that it's usually out of love. I found usually that it's out of trying to correct me, trying to help me move in a direction that I need to be headed. Beloved, faith works by love. If you truly beloved in Jesus Christ, you won't stand for something. You won't fall for anything. The world may go for this, but you will not go for this. The world may say this is the new standard whereby is rightness. That does not mean you have to go by it. It means that you may have to stand fast and go a different way. I have seen a denomination that has been torn by fanatics. I've seen a denomination that has several churches in this local area. I love so many of them dearly. I've seen so many of that denomination that they didn't stand for something about 40, 50 years ago that they should have stood for 40 or 50 years ago. And because they didn't stand for some things then, they're trying to take a stand now, and it's caused division and it's caused separation. Can I tell you something else about standing for something? Sometimes it is going to cause division. Sometimes it will be. We read that passage, and I'm reminded of it so much. Matthew chapter 5. He did not say, let's be peacekeepers. Some people want to be peacekeepers. Some people want to keep the peace no matter what happens. Just keep the peace. Beloved, I will remind you on the Sermon on the Mount, he did not call us to be peacekeepers. He called us to be peacemakers. That's a different situation. I tell the story oftentimes when we get to that text, I can't think of anything. My father served in Beirut, Lebanon, and my father-in-law served in Beirut, Lebanon. It's a wild thing to me that they were on a peacekeeping mission. Because they were on a peacekeeping mission, they couldn't have a round chamber. They could only have so much in them. There were limitations to them because they were peacekeepers, not peacemakers. And because they were peacekeepers, they were required they faced a terroristic attack where so many men lost their lives. To where a war on terrorism that had started kind of in the 70s was emerging even more in the 80s, so that by the 90s, and then we get to 2001, and then we get into the life that we've lived all of our lives. To where me and Terry and anybody younger than us, really, a little bit of Tyler. Tyler may actually remember some of those days. I don't know. Especially for Tyler, for Terry and I, for anybody that's younger than us. All we've known is a world of anxiety. 
All we've known is the world of where is going to be the next terrorist attack, where is going to be the next school shooting, where is going to be all of these different things. Beloved, sometimes we're trying to be peacekeepers and all we do is invite more problems than we should be peacekeepers. It may cause some division in there, but let us stand on the word of God and let us stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free and not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. When it comes to shed road, I want us to grow in there. We need some numerical growth. I wouldn't say that I believe we need it. But it's going to come in God's time. God's going to add into the church daily as he sees fit. I believe that. I believe that we belong to him. I believe that he's going to do that. I believe that he works through us. But beloved, there are things that we're going to have to stand fast for. We're not going to allow some things to come in. We're not going to allow some things to happen. Because we need to stand fast. My parents didn't let me just do anything that I wanted to do when I was young. Bad as I want to touch that hot skillet right on the skillet sometimes. My dad had a bad experience and he knew not touch that skillet. As much as I wanted to leave that handle where I could grab it at any given time, my dad would always teach me on that stovetop, turn that handle back. Make sure that handle's forced back. Make sure that that handle can't be just ripped down and all of a sudden pour hot contents all over your face. Beloved, there are some things that we may not understand when we're young that God brings us about to understand further along. There may be some things that he calls us to stand in that we don't understand today, but that we'll understand it further down the road. It may be some things that he causes us in verse 5 that we, through the Spirit, wait on the hope of righteousness by faith. It may be that we don't have the proof that we want to send right now. It may be Doug Fisher up in the airplane that I want to pull this lever, I want to pull that lever, I want to know what straightens this airplane out. But he says, take your hands off it. Stand fast where you are. Don't pull the ejector seat. Stand fast where you are. And beloved, it may be that it's in glory when we understand things all behind us. Farther along, we don't understand why. Beloved, there may be something in your life right now that you need to take a stand for. That you don't understand why. That you need to take a stand for. There may be something that you've been entangled again with the yoke of bondage. I don't know, come out of it. When she was out in that briar patch over there picking blackberries, you know what she had to do? She had to pull back out of it. It may hurt to pull back out. It may be a lot of pain and a lot of consternation in our lives. We'll pull back out of those things which entangle us and put us under the yoke of bondage. Let us stand steadfastly, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free, that we may not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. And as we conclude in verse 6, for in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision Father, we thank you for this portion of your word. We thank you that you enable us to stand fast. That God, it is not of our own accord, but that through the means of your spirit, you allow us to stand. Father, some of us have situations in our lives that we know what the stand we need to make is. We don't know why we're standing for. But Father, we pray that you would just help us, oh God. We pray that we don't understand how things are working in this world. We don't understand why the world turns out worse and worse some days, most days, maybe every day.
pray for the believer that's been strengthened you. I pray that they would confess their sins to you and believe in you and you alone. I pray for us as a church. We would always be confessing our sins.